Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. Jonah 4 verse 1 to 4. But to Jonah this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tashish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to leave. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, George. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, Thank you for joining us again today, everyone. If you're joining us for the first time, we're so glad to have you. I'm not sure I can see any. Uh, Maybe, maybe one new face. Okay, okay. Thank you for joining us. Oh, (laughs) no, come on. Come off it. Um, so we've come to the last chapter in the book of Jonah. What a book. Um, what a character. And I know like we said a number of times during the series, we said before this seven series, some of us thought that the book of Jonah was all about the big fish. You know, we thought it was mostly about the big fish, at least, you know, the fish that swallowed Jonah. You see, if at this point, you still feel that way, then you've missed the point. Because we've observed Jonah's beliefs, we've observed Jonah's feelings, we've observed Jonah's thoughts, his actions, his motives. We've seen his superiority complex. We've seen how he tried to save himself. We've seen how he tried to run from God. We've seen his fear of being condemned. We've seen him preach God's wrath without God's love. But if at this point, this is all we feel about this book, If this is all we feel, like all we feel is about Jonah, then we've missed the point. Because we've seen that we all, like Jonah, need to turn from our flaws together. We all, like Jonah, are all facing raging storms of life. We all need to cry to God for deliverance. But if at this point... You think this is all we take away from Jonah, then you've missed at least two points from this book. Because we will see that there are two more sermons left in this series. (laughs) And today's sermon is one of them. God still has something to show us about Jonah. God still has something to show us about ourselves. And today God is doing that with the aid of a question. Is it right for you to be angry? That's the question God is asking us this morning. He's asking Jonah and he's asking all of us, is it right for you to be angry? You see that in verse 4 of the text that Eva just read for us. And you see, this question does not demand a simple yes or no answer. And most times, God asks you a question. When God asks a question like this, when God asks someone a question like this, you know, as God asks Jonah, 
God wants you to probe deep. He wants Jonah to probe deep. He wants you to probe deep. He wants you to search yourself. And this is for the ladies. You see, God wants you to go past your highlighter. He wants you to go past the foundation, go past the concealer, go past the color correct, go past the primer, the moisturizer, the face scrub, the facial cleanser. Get past all those until you eat the real face of what's wrong with you. <laughs> when God asked, why did you laugh, Sarah? He wanted her to get to the real face of her doubt. When he asked Cain, where is your brother? He wanted him to probe the depths of his hatred. When he asked Adam, or Adam, <laughs> where are thou? He wanted him to uncover his disobedience. When God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? He wanted him to confront the motive for his anger. But please don't miss the point. God is not asking less of you today. Brothers, sisters, friends, is asking us that in all the diverse ways, in all the numerous ways that you have, and you still display anger, is asking you today, is it right for you to be angry? This is a question before us today from this book. And this is not an easy question. So I want us to start with an easier question. You know, one question I think we need to ask ourselves first and that question is, do you have an anger problem? Do you have an anger problem? So two major questions. The first question, do you have an anger problem? And the second question is going to be, is it right for you to be angry? So do you have an anger problem? In verse 1 of our text, you see what the Bible says? You see what the book says? It says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And what? And he became angry. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. You see, this translation kind of makes it, it makes light of Jonah's anger here. If you read the ESV, see what the ESV says. The ESV says, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. What God had done for the people of Nineveh greatly displeased Jonah. You see, in the Hebrew version, I listen to like some Hebrew something of the, this thing. Ra, they say the word is ra, ra, ra. You see, I think what he says, this is what, if he, if he translates it, this is what it means. Please, PF, everybody, is not here. students of this. You see what he says? He says, it was evil to Jonah with great evil. It wasn't an ordinary anger. It was evil to Jonah with great evil. It was, it was mad. It's not a small anger. It wasn't a, a mild irritation. Jonah, they vex. Jonah, they para. Jonah, I, the red. Jonah, blood, the earth. Jonah, if you keep a sin. That's the kind of anger that was here. You see, Jonah was so angry. See what he said to God. He was so angry. Verse 2, see what he said to God. He said, is this not what I said when I was still at home? He was screaming, yelling at God. Is this what I said when I was still at home? What's all this? He said, I want us to begin to see, this is how anger often works. First, three steps. First, you perceive something to be wrong, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. Second, you feel so bad, you feel so strongly about what you have perceived to be wrong. And he became angry. He burned with anger. Third, 
you do something about it. He spoke negatively to God. Is this not what I said when I was still at home? I told you. You see, we know anger like this. We've seen it at play in our lives. We've seen it at play maybe in the lives of others. You see the three steps. You see, the junior staff writes a terrible report. What happens? The boss became angry and he throws his plaque, the award that's supposed to decorate this table, and he throws it at the junior staff. The son steals meat from the pot again. What happens? The mother became what? Angry and beats him so much that the neighbors upstairs and downstairs come to rescue the child. The wife over fries plantain, the husband tasted it and became angry. And what does he do? He insults her and her entire family for over high bright price. It's stupid. No, no. <laughs> Let me not mention names. The waiter forgets that you told him savings when you're trying to pay with your card. He forgot. It was kind of rude. And so the customer became angry, calls the waiter names, and asks for the manager. The state people, the government, odd palliatives, showing that they do not care. And what happens? The poor young man living under the bridge became angry, vandalizes and loots shops and houses. You see the pattern that anger often takes. And some of us are thinking, you see, I am not that fierce. I'm not that bad. You see, I may get angry sometimes, but I'm not an angry person. You know, that's just like me. I consider myself an easygoing dude. You know, I was reading a book by David Polison on anger, and then he wrote one very beautiful, it's late now, but a very, very respected Christian psychologist. And he wrote like a beautiful introduction, lengthy, long, long, and then he wrote um, chapter one, he was said all kinds of things, man, I was feeling, it was entering my soul, I was, I was looking, I said, ah. you know, I was, I was looking, it was entering my soul for other people, I was saying, man, people, there are people, people are hungry, I don't, I don't get how people can just walk themselves with all that stuff, and then he had guests to chapter two, and this was the title of the chapter, chapter one was like, maybe some like angry people, then chapter two was, do you have an anger problem, and then he he just wrote, yes, and then he moved to chapter 3. <laughs> I come on, what are you doing here? I turn back to this. There's a mistake on my Kindle. What's happening here? Ah, uh, yes. He even put, he put like, uh, you know, exercise questions. Like, chapter is done. Consider yourself on this, <laughs> on this issue. You see, that is how some of us, I think, I don't really have an anger problem. I'm an easygoing person. You know, I mean... I'm, I'm always smiling, always joking, like myself. You know what I mean? What you see is what you get, person. I'm not like the phone you buy in traffic. I'm, I'm Apple, Apple store phone. What you see is what you get. You see, sometimes, when I was, on, when I was like, on staff, actually, uh, we had a retreat, and um, people were saying all of stuff about, oh, each... Um, each colleague, everybody working in the office, blah, blah, blah. And then Elijah 
Well, awesome, brother. And I said about me, and I said, one thing I like about Dami is that Dami never gets angry. I've never seen him. No matter what you do to him, I never see him get angry. He's always he's going, joking, you know, smiling every time. Yeah, cool. I said, you know, <laughs> not bad, you know. And then I got married. <laughs> hey, I don't know what brings the worst, worst in somebody than the person that you love so much. I don't know what else. I said that was not enough. Then I started driving. Which one is worse in this life? Marriage. Which one brings anger, rage from you? Marriage or driving in Lagos? Then something happened. This thing happened. Combine both factors together. Both marriage and driving. You know, I'll be driving. I just started driving like early this year. And I'll be driving the car. And then my wife will see me say, that's the worst thing. I just want to drive me peace, man. I'm driving. And the wife will say, my wife will say, no, you always turn on your trafficator. Hey, nobody's behind me. Why should I turn my trafficator? You will go, you will go, and you say, why do you, you need to give space for at least one car between you and the other car? Oh, why? See, Dami, you didn't press the brake on time. How do you know? Are you on the brake? I can feel it. I can feel that you did not press the brake. I can feel that you did not press the brake. You're not feeling anything, woman. <laughs> and then one day in December, we were driving down to Atfeiz, one party, like she invited us to. And we're going, man, all the week I've taken it up. Ah, just small, small. Then I did not even know out of nowhere. I slammed my hands on the steering. Why are you testing the limits of my patience? <laughs> Some of you say, see, yeah, damn, yeah, you're on this, uh, you, have, yeah, you have stepped the line. You see, I've never slapped my wife. I've never laid hands on my son. I've never insulted my maid. <clears throat> but for some of us, and sometimes for, for others, the anger is not that loud. The anger is quieter. We seem dormant, but we simmer. You're boiling gently. Nothing may happen on the outside. Your eye may not be red. Well, my wife, she's white. You know, like because of her color. You will know when she's like, okay, uh, <laughs> different color, rainbow, red, green. <laughs> but you remember? What the person did to you, you weigh what happened in your mind. You run scenarios of what you should do. You form words. You weigh possible reactions. You plan. Whether or not you are doing anything outwardly, whether or not you are angry or furiously, you think you're not angry, you think you're not furious, but you're making a judgment. You're saying, you idiot, you stupid woman, you, 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 you stupid waitress. That's not fair. I can't believe what she did to me. You imagine. You begin to play what the person did over and over and over again. You start imagining, what can I say that will make the person feel so stupid? What can I say that will make the person feel guilty? What can I say that will make the person feel, you know, useless? You specialize in the cold war. See, sometimes I don't shout at my wife. I don't 
telling it, I'm just quiet, but it's such a it's such a quiet journey, you know, from wherever it happened till we get home. Two hours, not talking anything, we're just day. I play my own music on my own. <laughs> she will play her own music on stuff either way. Which music should play? Okay, play your music now. It's quiet. You know, like, there's, there's this thing that, you know, there's, there's a way this plays out. You know, there's how we, people, like, they'll teach kids, you know, when you want something, say sorry, say please, say excuse, say thank you. There's sometimes, you know how, you know how when, you're, when you're so angry with somebody and you're still very polite to the person? You know those kind of anger? Whether it's your wife or with your colleague at work. Please, can I get that? Hey, excuse me, excuse me. Excuse me. You know, sorry. Some that people used to joke. I said, I was wrong with you. Thank you. <laughs> Quiet, mild, gentle, simmering anger. You see, but the anger pattern is still the same. You perceive something to be wrong, you feel strongly about it, and you react to it, whether loudly or quietly. It's the same. But then some of us are still saying, wow, wow, I still, I do, still don't understand all these people that you're talking about. I have never, ever raised my voice in my life. I have never kept malice or grudge. You see, you know how to avoid right, outright conflict. You know how to keep a safe distance from conflict. Look at verse 2. Jonah said, this is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. You want to, like, you know how to detach yourself. You know how to defensively withdraw. You have this very, very, very low-grade irritability. God, you want me to go to Nineveh. I don't want to go to Nineveh. I don't want to argue with you. Don't want any wala. So I will just gently go to Tashish. Gently. But you see, everything is coming out now in chapter 4. Everything. The hidden critical attitude, the stylish anger is now being revealed. You see, the person that say, you see, it's when you attach yourself too much to things that you get upset. Horrible bosses, wicked landlords, marriage, even marriage has not brought out the worst in you. You see, there is anger there. You've only insulated yourself from the broken things of life. You've covered the face of your anger with the facial clincher, with the face scrub. With the moisturizer, the primer, the color correct, the concealer, the foundation, and the lighter you have. But let's even say, let's even say that you've never had cause to be angry. Never. Nobody or nothing has ever angered you. You were born with a happy temperament. Your mother did not feel pain when she gave birth to you. You did not cry when you came out. Your father did not beat you. Nobody bullied you in school. You were homeschooled. You went to university online. No way for waitress to annoy you. You only do delivery, and they always come on time, and they always know your address. You never experience traffic down. Your parents have a fleet of helicopters. And you did not marry. You don't have in-laws. I'm glad to announce to you, brother, <laughs> that you still have an anger problem. How? What? Just wait. Oh, yeah. Let's say 
that you even went through all these things. People did all sorts of things to make you angry, but you never got angry. You've never gotten angry for once in your life. Maybe because you practice yoga. <laughs> you take deep breaths. You do mindfulness courses. You say to yourself 10 times, Alaye, calm down. <laughs> you are not an angry person, so don't be angry. Alaye, calm down. You are not an angry person, so don't be angry. Arabiri, calm down. You are not an angry person, so don't be angry. Arabiri, calm down. You say it to yourself 10 times. Arabiri, Alaye, you still have an anger problem. How? That takes me to the second question. Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? You see, Apostle Paul, in Ephesians 4, 26, what does he say? He says, in your, it's popular, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. So the apostle acknowledges the right to anger, but don't sin in your anger. You see, anger can be a right thing for a person to display. In Matthew 21, Jesus was angry, very angry. You know, but Hebrews 4 tells us that he was without sin. So Jesus was angry, but no sin was found. What was he doing? You see, the pattern of anger here. The people were selling in the house of his father. He's perceived that to be wrong. He became angry, furious, and he overturned their tables. He made a weep, and he flogged them out of the temple. Jesus was angry. When you were younger and you were in school together with your brother, someone was beating up your younger brother on the playground during break time. You became angry, and you went there to rescue your brother from the bully. A good time, a right time to display anger. People who are supposed to be your friends, who are supposed to protect you, are assaulting you, are maiming you, are slaughtering you like animals. You became angry, you gather yourselves together, and you lift up your voice on the streets in protest and lament. This is anger. This is right anger. This is righteous anger. This is primal. You don't even have to be a Christian. You see, Alayi Harabirin, not getting angry at anything, not getting angry at all is not holiness. In fact, to be angry can be the most righteous thing to do at times. Something truly wrong is happening, and you don't care enough to care. Even if it's not happening to you, you don't pay attention, you ignore, you shrug, you, maybe you don't even notice. It is wrong for you not to get angry. See what the preacher says, John Chrysostom. See what he says. See what he says. I want you to take note. He says, he who is angry without cause sins. He who is not angry when there is cause sins. For unreasonable patience is the hotbed of many vices. Let me take it again. He who is angry without cause sins. He who is not angry when there is cause sins. For unreasonable patience is the old bed of many vices. You see, it's inbuilt. God puts, is there. 
is in verse 2, when Jonah was listening to the characteristics of God, he was saying, abounding in love, he was saying, gracious, compassionate. In between there, he said, God is slow to anger. He is God, and yet he displays anger. It is the characteristics of the image of God in us. So you see, the problem is not that we get angry. The problem is that our anger is often messed up. The problem is that our anger is often sinful. Sometimes your anger is justified. Someone has done something wrong, you perceive it to be wrong, you became angry and you reacted in the way that motivated fairness, in the way that motivated constructive progress. But most times, let's be honest, most times if you're honest with yourself, most times, most of the time, though what was done to you was very wrong, your anger is not justified. It gets blown out of proportion. You call for the wrongs that the governor has done. Right! But you start calling names on Twitter. He's a fool. He's a dog. He's a madman. Out of proportion. You took things too personal. You exaggerated what the person said. You misinterpreted what the person said. That's what you always do, Lacon. You are not good for this job. Just say you are useless. I wonder whoever is going to screen for me. When you can display a righteous anger even in letting him go. In peace, in love. Because it's best for his career. It's best for his growth. But you verbally insult him till he loses his self-esteem. You allow your agenda to override you. You get stuck in being judgmental. You return evil for evil. You exaggerate. You allow yourself to meditate on the ought. You stayed on the eggs of anger. You stayed there until it hatched into cheeks of bitterness. You keep bringing up what the person did over and over in your mind. You tell others about her sin, about what she's done. Uh, let's shall be praying for her. Shall be praying for her. What are we going to do? Is our sister? But what is your intent? You see, for some of us, we are walking time bombs. We are Boko Haram's of anger. You've accumulated and suppressed anger over a number of years. One day, you may not explode like the woman who had endured domestic abuse for 13 years and stabbed her husband repeatedly, repeatedly in his head while he was sleeping. But you will explode. And it will harm a lot of people. Because that's what bombs do. Tomorrow, in that traffic on a co-hotel bridge, bridge, you will not allow that car to enter your front and it will eat you. And you will shout at that woman. You are a woman. That's why you cannot drive. And she will tell you that she's sure that you look like a man that cannot keep a woman in the house. <laughs> and you will delay other drivers. And they will all get angry, unking because of you. And a policeman or last man will come and try to settle the matter. Everyone will say that you are the cause. He will find you responsible. He will say, I will not let you go unless you bless me. You will bless him because you are in a hurry. But you will be saying, it's that woman. 
and you will cause the woman under her breath till you get home. You will be cursing the woman and the police. When you get home, the woman that you kept at home will ask what happened. You will get mad at that too. Or you both will join mouth and be mad at the woman, mad at the police, mad at legations, mad at government, or even mad at God that has not granted you success in the application of a Canadian visa. I'll be a lie. I'll be Solomon lie. In Proverbs 15 and 19, sweetie Solomon talk. A odd-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Here another one. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Here this one. A odd-tempered person must pay the penalty, rescue them, and you will have to do it again. Solomon talk So how do you separate the destructive parts of anger from the constructive parts? How can you learn to get upset about the right things and to express your concern in the right way? Where can you find help that really helps? In verse 1, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. What seemed very wrong? We see it in chapter 3, verse 10. Let me preach from there. God had shown mercy on the people of Nineveh. And in chapter 2, see, that was, that, see, God had shown mercy on the people of Nineveh, and Jonah was angry. That's what greatly displeased him. That's what made him angry. But I want to see something. You see, in chapter 2, we preach from there. Pastor Femi and Emmanuel preached from there. In chapter 2, see what happened. God had saved, after God had saved Jonah in the belly of the fish, Oh, you need to see the prayer that Jonah prayed. You know, we can't display it on the screen, but I want you to look at Jonah too. You see the prayer, if you remember the sermon, look at the prayer Jonah prayed. was thanking God, was appreciating was, oh God, thank you, I love you. So what he said in verse 9, a grateful prayer. He said, I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. But here in chapter 4, after God saved the people of Nineveh, look at the kind of prayer that he prayed. Selfish prayer. He said, is this not what I said? Because in verse 2, he said, he prayed. How verse 2 says? Is this not what I said? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tashish. Hey! A selfish prayer. Happy when he was saved, but angry when others were. Commentators, theologians have said that, you see, it's because Jonah's inordinate love of his, because of Jonah's inordinate love of his country, he thought that he believed that his country people were more important than the people of Nineveh. Some have said that he feared that he would eventually come and kill his own people. Some have said that he, was, he had been preaching to his own people, but he did not hear what, like Pastor Femi told us. Now he preached to a foreign people, and they believed it was hot. He preferred that he be destroyed so that the Israelites would know that he's a true prophet. Even if we say, that nationalism or racism was what drove Jonah, we can see deep down that the root of this was self-interest. See what Ibrahim X. Kendi says. He's one of the sharpest and youngest thinkers on anti-racism in America right now. See what he says. He says the foundation of racism is not ignorance or hate. It is self-interest, particularly economic, political, and cultural. Whatever the case, 
What is obvious is that the motive for Jonah's anger was self-interest, self-preservation, self-elevation. Look at his speech to God. You see, I, I said, I flew, I knew, I, I, I. Twisted what God said. He wanted to be seen as a great powerful preacher. It did not happen. What did he do? He became angry. He feared that the Assyrians would come and kill his people. But Assyrians did not die. He became angry. He loved this country with all that he is and it did, and it did need. He loved his country with all that he is. He even loved his country probably more than God. Even more than God. And he hated Nineveh. But God loved his country. But God also loved Nineveh. So he became angry. But he was blaming God for what had happened and for his anger. And see how God responds to him. How did God respond? Evil for evil? No. How did God respond to him? With the ashness? No. God came to him softly, gently. See what God said? He said, is it right for you to be angry? Softly. Like, there's no way you want to imagine that question, that it will be, that it will love, that it will be ash and anger, angry. He said, is it right for you to be angry? See, you can say that it is my stupid junior staff that made me angry. But is it not that you want to make a good impression on your boss? And that means promotion. And that means more money. And now this riffraff is spoiling your game. Is it not more money that made you throw your plaque at him? Because how will you secure your future? Okay, boss, is it right for you to be angry? You can say that it was the stubbornness of your son that made you that angry, that made you that lose your temper. But is it not because you are a minister's wife? Oh, other people's children, you correct them. People will now look and say, look at our own child. Look at our own child. So now you want to straighten him by hook or crook so that they will say, you are a Proverbs 31 woman. Or you are a career woman. You don't have time for your kids. The small time that you have, you want to make sure they get it. So that people can say, She's a woman that can have it all. Are you gracious? Are you compassionate? Is it right for you to be angry? You can say that it's the waiter's rudeness. It's the waiter's rudeness that made you that angry. Or is it not that you want to show that you have connections with one of the managers of this store and that you have the power to fire him and you want the guy to worship you? You want to feel important. Is it right for you to be angry? So you see some or most of these things that we want, that we need, that we love, that make us so angry are not bad things. They are good things. They are things to be had. They are right for many of us. But see the problem in verse 3. See what the problem? Jonah said, in verse 3, Jonah said, Now, Lord... Take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. See what Jonah is saying? Jonah is saying, if you won't kill the people of Nineveh, kill me. He's saying, if you won't give me what I want, then my life is not worth living. See, your anger reveals what is important to you. Show me what makes a man angry, and I will show you what is important to him. 
When a little thing pushes your buttons, it says something big about the buttons inside you. See, this is wrong anger. I will use my words, I will use my thoughts, I will use my feelings, I will use my actions to prevent, to destroy whoever is preventing me from getting it because it matters so much to me, it matters too much to me. Without it, my life will not be sweet because without it, my life will not be complete because without it, my life will not be worth living. This is the God that I want to live for. This is the thing that I want to worship. This is the thing I want to love with all my heart, with all my strength, with all my might, with all my soul, with all my spirit. This is the thing that I want to serve. I want it now. You know, some of you are like Christians. I know, I don't, I'm not like that. I'm not like that. You're a Christian. But look at, what, look at what we do. Look at what I said I did. Look at what I said I do from time to time. I want, I don't, I'm not serving that thing as a God, but I want this thing now. I want it here. I want it like this. I want it at this time. I'm saying that I can't wait. I just can't wait for that. I can't just wait for this guy to, to develop, to grow. You know, I can't, I can't wait for this. Like I, I need to get it to him straight. I can't wait for God to touch my child. You see, God is taking too long. God is taking too long. I will look to this thing for approval and for love. I will worship this thing. And let me show you something. See, in Exodus 32, see, this is where this text is closely tied to. You see, in Exodus 32, Moses, Moses had gone up to meet God to collect the commandments. And then, before he came, see what 32 verse 1 says. He says that, and Moses was taking too long to come down. See, God was taking too long for them. And what did people say? People came together and they spoke to Aaron and said, see, this is my earring. This is my chain. This is my bangle. This is my own leg chain. Let's put it together and let's do what? Let's make a God. And Aaron did that. He put it together and then he formed a golden calf for the people. And the people now started worshiping God and saying, this is the God that saved us. This is the God that took us out of Israel. And in verse 9, what did God say? God told Moses, see, do you know what people are doing downstairs? Do you know what people are doing down at the bottom of the mountain? You see, they have made a God unto themselves that they are worshiping, that they are serving. My, you see, verse 9 says, and God's, God burned with anger. See, let me destroy them. Let me finish them. And I will make a people out of you. But Moses stood in the gap. Moses interceded. You see, and in 34, Moses interceded. God cried, he cried. And then God, God relented his anger. And in 34, in Exodus 34, 6 to 7, God came to Moses. And what did God do? You see, God was not speaking to Moses. God says, you see, exactly from where Jonah got his verse 3, where Jonah was saying, I knew that you are God. You see, this was where God first said it. And God said it to Moses. He said, you see, I am a God. Gracious. Compassionate. Hey, I am a God abounding in love, slow to anger, relenting to send calamity. Moses.
Because you stood in gap and God revealed himself in that way. But see how Jonah misinterpreted it. See how Jonah exaggerated it. You see, Moses stood in the gap and he saved the people. But we know that Moses standing in the gap was not enough. Because we remember, we see later on, that Numbers 13 says Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. Meekest man. Doesn't get angry easily. But remember, when they were about to get the promised land, God said, speak to the rock. The frustration of the people have moved Moses so much that Moses struck the rock. And God told him, say, you will not enter the promised land. The most humble man, the best of us, failed. You see, but God is slow to anger. What does this mean? It's in seven that Jonah refused to quote. He said, yes, I'm loving, I'm this, that. He said, but I will punish the guilty. I will not leave them unpunished. I will punish them even to the poorer generation. Those who have sinned against me will not go unpunished. You see, you're like Moses. Jesus is the only perfect person. The only one who can display anger perfectly every time in all conditions and no sin will be found in him. Even when he is treated with anger, he would not respond with anger. In anger, we rallied around him. We said, this Jesus is too soft. This Jesus is delaying. He can't give us freedom from the Romans. He can't give us what we want now. He's too patient. He's too meek, gentle, lowly. Oh, he's doing like Jesus. Hey, JJC, hey. What did we do? We gathered as a mob and we nailed him to the cross. God poured out his wrath for us on this Jesus. And see how Jesus responded. See how he responded. Did he respond with ashness? Did he respond with, 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 with toughness? Even for him, we say, no, 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 no. He said it softly on the cross in pain, in weakness. He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Guys, friends, sisters, see, this is the God that is worth serving. This is the God that does not need you to sacrifice for him, to appease his anger. This is the God that offers himself as appeasement for his anger. See, when you meditate on this, when you take this in, you see, you don't have to destroy others to exalt yourself. You don't have seek approval and love elsewhere. This is the God I need to serve, not the golden calf. Guys, you can have genuine anger, you can have pure anger. When you see how God, how Jesus took the anger for you and how he responded to you. And I want us to respond this morning, I want us to respond this morning to Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.